The Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Analysis, discussion. It's the Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Welcome in to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R O N N I E, the letter K Radio. On Twitter, we're today. On the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, wildcard playoffs, the result that happened, and the Denver Broncos and their connections to these teams. How close are the Denver Broncos from becoming a NFL wildcard team? Because, boy, we saw some teams in action over the weekend that not only uh, looked good but advanced to round two, and these are a couple certain teams that the Denver Broncos beat. We'll discuss that coming up today on the podcast, but... First, our friends over there at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street, just a hop, skip it, and jump away from Coors Field. 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirit. Chef Andrea Varela and that locally sourced rotating seasoning fare is just tremendous. Head on over there to Tap 14 on the web. That's tap14.com, tap14.com. So, first of all, you can interact on the Broncos Blitz podcast by jumping on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio and, of course, always at MileHighSports.com where you can read up on some great, great info regarding the uh, blue and orange. And, of course, over the weekend, the wild card weekend, it did not include Denver. Denver finishing at 7-9. and nine. But consider this. Of course, the Denver Broncos played several of these teams this weekend. And we start in the NFC where we're going to ignore the Seahawks-Eagles game, but we're going to talk about that Vikings-Saints game. And if you remember, the Denver Broncos took the Minnesota Vikings basically to the brink. That was also a game where they led big at halftime, and then, of course, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings came storming back for a last-second win. Denver gets to the goal line with, well, midseason fill-in Brendan Allen, if you will, and they end up losing 27-23 when they can't convert at the goal line. This was a game, of course, that Denver was in much transition as Joe Flacco was uh, hurt already and... The Broncos were trying to find that bridge, Brandon Allen, until they could get to Drew Locke. So uh, they lose in the last second. But uh, nonetheless, they certainly uh, put the Minnesota Vikings uh, and, and a little scare into their hearts because I think that was a game that the Minnesota Vikings overlooked. You know, being in Minnesota, the Broncos having Brandon Allen, this was very much a game, I think, where. You know, if you're the Minnesota Vikings, this was a uh, a game that you could look past, a game that you could, you know, potentially overlook with bigger opponents remaining, and certainly that was uh, potentially the the case. Obviously, it doesn't go back and bite them, but the Minnesota Vikings advanced around two after a final OT win, 26-20 over New Orleans in the AFC. The Denver Broncos, well, of course, they saw the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans advance. Texans beat the Bills 22-19, also in OT. And this is a game where the Denver Broncos, you know, you look at it and you say, hey, remember back just a couple little while ago, five weeks ago when the Houston Texans got thrashed by the Denver Broncos. That was 38-24. That was one of the uh, games where Drew Locke, second start for Drew Locke, his first road game where they just came out gangbusters and everything was clicking. That was arguably Denver's best game of the year 
in Houston road game. Um, offense was working. Defense was as well, too. I know they scored 24 points, but that box score is a bit misleading. The Vikings, re- or excuse me, the, te- the Texans really couldn't get the offense going all game long. Denver shut Deshaun Watson down, and then they score kind of some gimme uh, 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 garbage points towards the end. This was a Denver team that really took it to the Houston Texans 38-24, and you know, it kind of starts to make you feel good, I think, about if you're a Broncos fan. Now, we'll get to that in a second. But first, of course, lastly, the Tennessee Titans, they beat the New England Patriots. A bit of a shocker there. Uh, Patriots, the number three seed, losing to the sixth seed Titans. Both six seeds, by the way, advanced. Talking about the Vikings and Titans, which was interesting. And, of course, this was also a team just a couple weeks, well, a little bit farther than a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, where they shut out the Titans, 16 to nothing. That, of course, the game in which Joe Flacco started. Uh, the Denver Broncos really put it to him on defense. That was really the actually the, the monumental mark moment for the uh, Tennessee Titans because that's when they made the switch from Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill. So uh, 16 to nothing, they beat the Titans. And now you look at it and you say, okay, well, Denver beat three, or at least two, excuse me, of uh, these teams that moved on and, of course, took the Minnesota Vikings to the brink. Does that make you feel better as a Broncos fan? Maybe it does. But I think there's also some consideration with this in regards to this is the NFL, and this is a week-to-week league, and this is also a league in which timing is a big deal as well, too. You know, the Minnesota, and we talked about this with the Houston Texans game. The Houston Texans were riding very high, and, you know, the Denver Broncos being a team that uh, really was just not very good. Coming off the loss of Joe Flacco, you're talking about Brandon Allen and that shuffling, and Drew Locke is this new young quarterback, this rookie who first road start. I think a lot of people really had Houston, you know, I don't know exactly what that number was, but it was probably close to plus 10, you know, minus 10 Houston, plus 10 Denver. And that may have been a game where the Houston Texans maybe overlook a little bit. And I don't think if they were to play nine times today, I don't think you're going to see the Houston Texans slip up that many more times. You know, this is a team that's now firing on all cylinders, timing a big, big deal in the NFL. We talk about this with the Broncos season. In, in general, as a whole, we're talking about a different Broncos season where if a certain field goal from Adam Vinatieri, a certain goal line play from the Vikings, uh, a goal line stand, and maybe a correct call against the Chicago Bears, and Denver's a 10-6 and six team in the postseason. So there there's a lot to dissect in this situation, and with the Denver Broncos, you know, timing is everything. And, and I don't know if you should be over the moon for this when it comes to those three particular games uh, because, you know, look, they have three different starting quarterbacks for these individual games. Of course, it was uh, Joe Flacco starting against the Tennessee Titans. It was Brendan Allen starting against the Minnesota Vikings. And then, of course, it was Drew Locke starting against the Houston Texans. So, But interesting enough to look at because with the Denver Broncos, you know, of course, this is a team that is up on the rise and certainly looking towards the future. And it is nice to see them at least run with what is now seen as playoff competition. And that is certainly a positive you can take away from this team. But of course, look, timing, injuries, all that jazz certainly play a part in this. Of course, it's Broncos Blitz podcast presented by our friends over there at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street, just a 
Hop, skip, and a job away from Coors Field. 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirits. Chef Andrea Varela in that locally sourced rotating seasonally fair is just tremendous. Head on over there. Tap 14 on the web. That's tap14.com. So when we try to dissect this Broncos season and see what it spits out on the back end, that didn't sound right. <laughs> Change up the phrasing on that. How does 2019... Um, how do we take 2019 and how do we look towards 2020 from the result of 2019? You gotta love podcasts, right? We'll talk about that next. Welcome back to the Broncos Blitz Podcast, presented by our friends over there at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Coors Field. I promise no more back-end jokes on the podcast. Uh, so look, taking 2019 as a whole, let's zoom out a little bit. Okay, let's kind of zoom out. Let's let's look at this thing as a whole from afar and and look at the bottom lines, okay? The bottom line is this team was 7 and 9. The bottom line is this team found their franchise quarterback. The bottom line is that the defense in the red zone was very very good between the 20s mediocre. Bottom line is that this offense until Drew Lock took over was just not very good. The offensive line was poor. Uh, the wide receiver core is a bit depleted with the trade of Emmanuel Sanders. Still had a lot of young players still kind of finding their footing into Sean Hamilton and Noah Fant. And when it comes to uh, the running game, it is a bit of a stronger side of things for this Broncos offense. So now you look at the offseason. And you and, and obviously when you look at the offseason, you start with your own personal players. And then you start to move towards free agents, the draft, etc. With the Denver Broncos and their own players, they've got a lot of action involved just on the defense alone. You're talking about Shelby Harris, Derek Wolf, Chris Harris Jr., J- uh, Justin Simmons. These are no pushover players, man. These are big-time starters, and Justin Simmons, they all pro. I think you can make an argument that three of the four of those players could be pro bowlers. There's a lot to like with this Denver Broncos defense, and those are big key cogs, and they are up for either new contracts or potentially could straight walk away from the Denver Broncos. So there's a lot to unpack on the defensive side. On the offensive side, you're looking at probably your main piece being Connor McGovern. Uh, the center, of course, is uh, now going to be a free agent and uh, could eventually walk away, could be looking at more money. Uh, outside of that, you're talking about uh, depth at the tackle position. You're talking about uh, some other tidbits uh, that, that probably Denver doesn't need to be looking at, whether it be at the running back situation or the wide receiver as well. So you're talking about a potential rebuild here with the defensive side of things, depending on what they do. Now, if you were the Denver Broncos, obviously there is an opportunity to retain all these pieces. Whether they believe that is the correct move or not, we will see. And obviously we focus in on these main four pieces with Shelby Harris, Justin Simmons, Chris Harris Jr., and Derek Wolfe. Now, I don't want to get into, because we'll talk about this more about potential free agents and where they go, but more so who would have bigger impacts moving towards next year. Let's just say that the goal for 2020 and in the offseason moves that you were to make is solely, solely just to, to look at making the postseason next year. It's not towards building for the future. It's not towards a long-term view. Now you're looking, because it changes, you know, and with every question you ask in the offseason, it really kind of changes how you gear things and how you um, 
approach certain situations. You know, when you're talking about a long-term situation, you're obviously not looking to re-sign Chris Harris Jr., but on a short-term deal, that could be different because think about that cornerback room. That cornerback room without Chris Harris Jr., it is depleted. First of all, Bryce Callahan is an unproven commodity. Uh, You don't know what you're getting with Bryce Callahan. I, I understand that he was a solid player and arguably the best slot corner in the game when he was with Chicago and Vic Fangio. That doesn't translate to success in Denver, though. So the understanding is that you have to walk in with the idea that Bryce Callahan is a new unknown free agent. We know the history but history is in the past, and the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And right now, what he's done for us lately, or should I say the Broncos, not very much. After Bryce Callahan, Devonta Harris, Isaac Yadam, Devonte Bosby, Bueller... Uh, it's pretty dry. So I think you're going to see the Denver Broncos really look at the idea of bringing in a talent at the corner position if Chris Harris Jr. and they're not going to try to uh, shove some money in front of him. Now, there were contract talks before the trade deadline. Of course, we all saw the reported three-year, $36 million deal. That would be about 12 per year. That would basically keep Chris Harris at the same rate, uh, taking a slight $500,000 pay cut. And, and I don't know if Chris is going to get this in the offseason. So, I'm you know, if you're the Denver Broncos, I think you really like the idea of potentially a shorter-term deal, if that's possible. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. understands, though, that as a free agent this year, you know, coming up on the age of 32, this is a guy who needs to get paid now because the older he gets, the harder it is to land that long-term, at least in, in a veteran's eyes, three-, four-year deal. The time is now for him. This is basically the final contract. Now, if he does not get that in the open market, I think you could see the idea of the Denver Broncos looking like, hey, could we bring in Chris Harris Jr. on a little bit more of a longer-term deal that's maybe more friendly year-wise that could help this team shore up the position and uh, overall bring in a great locker room guy a talent, make him a Bronco for life, and essentially lock in your cornerback spot for the year. Now, maybe you draft a, a corner in the later rounds of the NFL draft. Maybe you target one higher. But the idea is that that completes the the position. That that completes the, the problem that you have right now at the cornerback position. And that may be worth your money. Uh, And that is more of a shorter-term thinking because, again, Chris Harris Jr. is more of an impact guy. Now, more of the longer-term thinking is obviously a guy like Justin Simmons, a guy who is in his mid to late 20s, uh, growing into his prime, second-team All-Pro, a absolute bona fide star on the defensive side of things, cerebral, smart, knowledgeable, savvy, athletic, uh, runs well, all the cliches, fluid hips, anything you could think of. That is Justin Simmons. He truly is one of the better players, not only on the field, but off the field as well, too. Somebody who is very much a major presence in the community. I think if you're the Denver Broncos, you have to ask yourself the question when it comes to Justin Simmons, who else are you going to re-sign ever at the safety position if you don't re-sign Justin Simmons? Assuming Justin Simmons wants to be a Bronco, which all assumptions point that way, who else would you rather have 
at safety than Justin Simmons because he fits every mold, every prototype of every kind of player that you would want. Again, good person on the field, good person off the field, good teammate, smart, athletic, keeps his body in shape, is healthy, understands the scheme. He's an all-pro player. Who else are you going to go get? You're immediately downgrading. I think this is one of those players that you just got to pay because you know what? If you want to keep talent on your team, and talent is so incredible, it's so incredibly important in the NFL to have more talent than the other team. And I know that's a cliche thing to say, but in the NFL where you're playing at the highest level, sometimes you know there's a difference between somebody who has worked extremely hard to get where they are but maybe are not as gifted as other people, and some some individual people are just gifted to play or, or do a certain thing. And I attribute this to m- myself a lot. Um, I was the guy who was not gifted. Uh, I was not gifted in athletics. Uh, there, was, there was no um, God-given gift of athleticism, height, um, you know, speed, agility, vision. I didn't have that. But what I was was a really, really hard worker. Um, and I think both of those kind of make it to the NFL, but th- there's there's always this coveted value in the NFL for just raw, gifted talent, you know. And many times that's the kind of stuff that puts you over the top, because if you are raw and gifted, and you also have that hardworking mindset. You become the type of player that Justin Simmons is that we see today as a second-team All-Pro and is just one of the best safeties in the league, voted on by several people, and not only in the league but out of the league, media as well too. Uh, just a tremendous player in Justin Simmons. I think this is one of those that they, even though it is a long-term play, it's obviously short-term value as well too. This is something that Denver Broncos got to get done. So you're talking about shoring up the secondary, which is obviously certainly somewhat of a weakness. But other impact immediate positions for next year. Again, we're talking about the Denver Broncos trying to get into the wild card next year. And I think one of those is wide receiver, because you're talking about the offense being one of the units that was of weakness last year. Denver Broncos finished uh, 28th in passing yardage when it comes to on the offensive side of things, 28th on Points scored, which was, by the way, 17-6. They were 20th in rushing yards. And I know these are just box scores, but the theme to tell you is that they're on the bottom third of the league in every statistical category. Now, it's obviously changed since Drew Locke took over. Uh, These are season statistics, but the reality is is that Drew Locke took over with uh, five games left, finish 4-1 and certainly alters a lot of this. But it should be noted that even with the Drew Lock taking over, there are some there are many things that the Denver Broncos need to be working on obviously for 2020 that uh, they could bring in as an immediate impact. And we talked about that wide receiver position, whether it be somebody from the draft or free agency, and I would particularly like to see it come from the draft. Uh, This is a Denver Broncos team that needs some of that young, explosive talent, particularly out of that slot position, to accent Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, two 
three very tall, uh, physical, um, go-up-and-get-the-football type talents. Now you pair that with more of a shifty, agile, fast acceleration wide receiver out of the slot, and you bring the mismatch situation into play. You know, now you, you have, you know, opposing teams maybe putting some of their taller, uh, slower, larger corners in the game on a nickel package or something like that because you have so much height that you have to, to cover, uh, to accommodate for. I mean, Cortland Sutton at 6'4", Noah Fant way up there, Tim Patrick. And now all of a sudden you bring this small little wide receiver in who's, you know, I mean, who knows? Uh, maybe it's a Henry Ruggs. Maybe it's a Jerry Judy. Uh, maybe it's somebody off the street. Maybe it's a free agent. You know, and Henry Ruggs at 196 foot, this is a guy who is shifty, fast. I will imagine this guy's going to run the 40 and – uh, a very nice number somewhere, I don't know, four threes, four fours. And now you're talking about pairing a dynamic potential on offense that, that has this mismatch opportunity and really gives you a lot to work with for next year for, for Drew Locke. And those are, those are the kind of things that really add to the promise and potential for this Denver Broncos offense is now you have kind of these things built and solidified. You know, and uh, assuming that you can bring back a majority of your players, um, you know, and some of them on cheaper or some of them on more expensive deals, but the the Denver Broncos have money to spend. They've got a lot of money to spend. And they're going to have to break the bank on some contracts. Justin Simmons is going to be a break-the-bank contract. But if you can bring in some uh, offensive options like that, maybe shore up the offensive line, now all of a sudden you you go into next year and you're thinking, okay, we got this new dynamic weapon and a potential wide receiver out of the slot. Let's just say it's Henry Ruggs. Now you have this um, new toy to play with on offense. You have generally a new quarterback, because uh, let's remember, again, only five games finishing the season drew lock. You have an offensive line that I would imagine they're going to beef up when it comes to depth and in free agency. Uh, potentially at that right guard position, we'll see how that plays out. Left guard, left tackle is obviously a tough conundrum, a, a tough conundrum to to make no mistake. But certainly, um, you know, if there's an option that becomes cheaper, that maybe becomes available, maybe you look to bring him in as competition. I, I don't see them doing anything with that position, I think that is probably going to stake Eric Bulls at least for the final year of his contract next year. But that's another discussion for another podcast. So you start to look at these potential upgrades there. And then on defense, maybe you bring in somebody on the defensive line to replace, say, Shelby Harris or Derek Wolf, whichever one to, to exit, assuming both do. Or maybe you bring those guys back. They were excellent in the red zone last year. Between the 20s, could have been better, but look, you have another option uh, with the uh, you know the linebackers that they brought up, and I think this is where the Vic Fangio hiring, I guess you could say, uh, is so valuable to the Denver Broncos because now you can take the assets that you maybe otherwise would have had to use on defensive players, and you could spin them around and turn them into offense, you know, and. I've always said this about, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, offensive linemen versus, you know, guys like, you know, in the secondary or uh, even linebackers, 
you can almost make uh, an argument. It's it's great to to spend top picks on linebackers like Devin Bush, for example. And I know a lot of people uh, use the Devin Bush um, example because the Denver Broncos were gonna wanted to take him or were gonna take him potentially, and you know they passed on him once and passed on him twice. And then he gets scooped up by Pittsburgh. You know, if if you're the Denver Broncos, you know Vic Fangio's hiring is where you have to trust him to make the right decisions. He believed that Devin Bush was not a Roquan Smith type of player, and maybe he missed there a little bit, and that's fine because you know what? I only care about what Vic Fangio thinks about this team, and you know what? What he did was he thought AJ Johnson was a guy who needed a shot because he could be a player, and wow. Did he not hit it out of the park with A.J. Johnson? A guy who was just coming off the street, uh, somebody who was, look, had, had his legal troubles in the past, somebody who is young, big, physical. Uh, I mean, there are, there are some people who are writing about him being a potential future all-pro in the future. And this is a guy that... Out of Tennessee was supposed to be, of course, a very high pick, and then he got involved with some off-field stuff. And Vic Fangio takes him off the roster, puts him in, and immediately begins to make a ton of plays for the Denver Broncos. And you start to think, well, man, this is just a guy off the street. Well, maybe this is a flash in the pan, right? Maybe, maybe this is just one of those. Oh, he got lucky, and you know, uh, Vic Fangio, uh, credit to him, but he he kind of got lucky on this one pick. And then you start to see the other guys that Vic Fangio worked into the defense. Mike Purcell, somebody who was undrafted out of Wyoming, of course, played at Highlands Ranch. Let's see, the teams that he was involved with prior to the Denver Broncos, the 49ers, the Rams, the Bears, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Salt Lake Stallions. Uh, This is not a guy that was on anybody's radar. Nobody's radar. And you saw Vic Fangio by the way, on April 22nd, signed with the Denver Broncos, kind of a later signing. And then he was just plucked in, made some plays in in training camp preseason. And Vic Fangio decided, well, we're going to keep him around because you know what? I think this guy could be a a bona fide player for us. A couple weeks of Adam Gotsis did not work. Plug in Mike Purcell. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the defense changed a ton, you know, particularly in that core. And we talked about earlier in the season, you know, some of their woes on defense and, you know, how they were allowing all those rushing yards in the Leonard Fournette game. That was brutal. But you see Vic Fangio and utilizing his expertise in taking a player off the street who was casted away by not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other teams. Peg him into the right situation where he could flourish, and he became a much better player. And now, because of that, you don't have to use an asset on the defensive line. And now all of a sudden, you say, okay, well, now we can take that asset and really utilize it in our major weaknesses. And, of course, that being on the offensive side of the football. And this is where I think the the hiring of the the guru, if you will, whether it be on offense or defense, is so valuable because you know you could take certain guys that um, and, and make them better just based off your coaching, your instincts, the scheme that you have, 
And and this becomes so critical for a football team because you can't build an entire football team just through free agency in the draft and particularly in free agency. You know, the for for every player that you hit on that is a cheap low budget option, it gives you so many more angles and paths where you can approach potentially, you know, other players in the draft. And now you're you're talking about, you know, instead of spending that um, you know, 15th pick on a defensive lineman because the defensive linemen this year were pretty darn good in Vic Fangio's scheme, we're talking about a offensive playmaker on the wide receiver position. You know, had AJ Johnson and and Todd Davis not panned out in the scheme of Vic Fangio, we're probably talking about linebacker instead. We're probably talking about the idea of why did they pass on Devin Bush instead? Now we're talking about the idea of, hey, they need to be looking at the offensive side of the football because Vic Fangio has taken care of the defensive side of the football. So and make no mistake, I think the arrow is pointing up for this Denver Broncos team. I think you're going to need to look at some major impact offensive players right away in this draft. And, you know, and free agency may bring some of that as well too. Robbie Anderson, a name kind of being thrown around, but certainly if you were the Denver Broncos, a lot of options available. And a lot of those options were due to the uh, nature of Vic Fangio with the ability to use his defensive expertise, apply that to the defense, and then, of course, uh, well, you know, uh, perform. You know, it's, it's one thing to be able to obviously do that on the – on paper, but you got to do that on the actual field as well, too. And you know what? Those players rewarded Vic Fangio with some solid play as well, too. And I think it gets you, should get you excited if you're a different Broncos fan. It should get you excited for next year with the idea that, you know what? A goal line stand against Minnesota, a missed field goal by Adam Vinatieri, and the correct call against Chicago, and the Denver Broncos are 10-6 and six and in the postseason. So certainly uh, it's not what happened, but that kind of gives you an idea of how razor thin the margins are in the NFL and how quickly a team can go from mediocre, average, to good to great very, very quickly. Because um, make no mistake, you know, and I've always said this on the show, I've always said this on the podcast, that in the NFL, if you were a game under or you were a game over 500, or 500, of course, you were considered mediocre in my mind. And Denver finished at 7-9. and nine. So I'm going to characterize them as mediocre, as very much in that average group. And uh, the jump from average to good to great is a very, very thin margin. And, uh, you know, they talk about how this game, this game is a game of inches. It truly is because, you know what, a couple certain things happen. A game of sequences, a game of situations, a couple situations, two, three of them change the other way, and all of a sudden maybe Denver is playing this weekend. Who knows? That could be the case next year. They obviously have a lot to do this year, though, to rebuild uh, from last year. So, of course, you can stay up to date on the Broncos, that Broncos Blitz, the uh, podcast that we'll have, of course, a couple times per week, you'll still hear from the regular guests that we usually have. Zach Seegers, of course. Of course, uh, we'll, we'll be getting into the draft as more, too, because that becomes the exciting part of this whole process in the offseason, is looking at the new talent coming out. And I think particularly for Denver fans, because the eyes on the wide receiver are going to be heavy, and there are some good ones. 
coming out. We mentioned them earlier. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb. There's going to be some explosive playmakers. Who could be the next, if you will, Emmanuel Sanders to join this Denver team? And, you know, for the Denver Broncos, they, look, they weren't going to retain Emmanuel Sanders long term. Um, but, boy, he would look kind of nice in this offense long term, wouldn't he? Denver's basically going to try to replace him in the offseason and see if they can find a playmaker to, to go alongside Cortland Sutton, who not only becomes a a option for, for Drew Locke, but a go-to man for Drew Locke because, obviously, you start to see the NFL really catch on with Cortland Sutton with the idea that this is a top 10 playmaker. This is a guy who can bully cornerbacks and really make a defensive coordinator's day uh, a living hell. And, and you're going to start to see safeties shy towards Cortland Sutton. Could give some options for the rookie wide receiver, whoever it may be, or maybe it's a free agent coming in to uh, really, really shine and really flourish under this Bronco system with Rich Gangarello and, of course, Drew Locke. So, all done for the Broncos Blitz podcast, presented by our friends over there at F14, 1920 Blake Street. Just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Coors Field. Hopefully, you jump on over there also, and maybe on the way you're driving, and it's 3 o'clock in the Mile High City, and you tune into the Ronnie K Show. That's on Mile High Sports, FM 1047, AM 1340, and, of course, at milehighsports.com. So if you're on the East Coast, that means 5 o'clock, traffic jam. You know what? Jump onto the Mile High Sports mobile app or milehighsports.com, and you could stream the show. And, of course, anywhere where you get your podcasts, you can, of course, listen to the Rongos Blitz podcast, whether that be Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, or, of course, Spotify. Go check that out. And, of course, at milehighsports.com. A lot of great stuff over there, milehighsports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. We are all done. For the Broncos Blitz podcast, appreciate you tuning in. Of course, you can find more work on the Broncos and Blue and Orange at MileHighSports.com. That's MileHighSports.com. Later, y'all. To listen to previous versions of the Broncos Blitz podcast, visit MileHighSports.com or subscribe to the Broncos Blitz wherever you get your podcast.